Circus Hall of Fame is located in Peru, Indiana. The Mountain Bike Hall of Fame is located in Crested Butte, Colorado. The National Toy Hall of Fame is located in Rochester, New York. This, I know, is for many of you. The Polka Hall of Fame is located in Euclid, Ohio. The Robot Hall of Fame is located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the International Bowling Hall of Fame is located, believe it or not, in Arlington, Texas. If you hurry, there's still time for you to make vacation plans. You can still do so. God's Hall of Faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find the names of some of the heroes of the Old Testament, men and women whose names are enshrined in God's word as heroes of faith in God. These men and women were commended by God. They were approved by God because they pleased God by their faith in God. These heroes did not have superpowers. These heroes had faith in a superpower. God. And if you would join with me in opening your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue in our sermon series titled Heroes. We are looking at and learning from some of faith's finest found in God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. As you make your way there, the Apostle Paul said in in Romans 15 and verse 4, for whatever was written before was written for our instruction so that through our endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Paul said, for whatever was written before was written for our instruction. He was making a reference to the Old Testament scriptures at that point. The Old Testament scriptures were written for believers years and years ago and for us as believers today. We know the knowledge of God's word, both the Old Testament and New Testament, gives us exactly the spiritual nourishment, instruction, and encouragement we need to live out our faith in God day by day. When God saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, God placed his Holy Spirit in us to teach us his word and to empower us to obey his word, to empower us to live out our faith in God. And Paul encouraged us that whatever was written before was written for our instructions so that through our endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we know these scriptures, the Old Testament, New Testament, the scriptures we're going to look at today, we're going to read about and read from today. They teach us how to endure and persevere in our faith in Jesus. They also, the scriptures also uh, encourage us to endure and persevere in our faith in Jesus. And as we receive encouragement and comfort uh, from the scriptures, it helps us to hold fast to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. William Barclay, a Bible scholar and author years ago, he said, it is not hope in the human spirit, in human goodness, in human achievement. It is hope in the power of God. Scripture reminds us that our hope is in God. And our relationship with him by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus and in his power at work in us and through us and around us day by day, moment by moment, step by step. There is no one greater than our God. There is no one higher than our God and there is no one like our God. And as we look into these scriptures this morning, we're going to be reminded that these heroes 
were faithful to God in their day and time. These heroes, each one that we'll look at throughout this series, each one that you read about in Hebrews chapter 11, each of the heroes throughout God's word, the New Testament, they were faithful to God in their day and time. And they inspire us through their testimony that we find recorded for us in Scripture. They inspire us to live out our faith in God by the power of God at work in us today. They inspire us to be faithful to God today, now, in our time, as we continue to live our lives for Jesus Christ. And so I want us to look at and learn from uh, our next hero uh, that we're going to look at this morning, and it's our good friend Noah. So if you have your Bibles, hopefully you're open now at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look in verse 7. By faith, Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen, in reverence, built an ark to deliver his family. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So we see a couple of things as we are introduced to Noah here in verse 7. We see a couple of things right off, right away that we need to identify and, and take a deeper look at as we study this hero and as we get some encouragement uh, from Noah and from his life, from his testimony, from his example that will help us uh, to live out our faith in God today. We see, number one, Noah was a man of faith in God. Noah was a man of faith in God. Right of Hebrews says, by faith, Noah. Didn't waste any time. He got right to the point by faith, Noah. Noah did what he did by faith in God. Noah went where Noah went by faith in God. Noah said what Noah said by faith in God. Noah lived how Noah lived by faith in God. By faith, Noah. And we learn about Noah here in verse 7, but we learn more about Noah uh, from the Old Testament, which is where we obviously find his story. So turn with me real quick to the left, and let's go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to learn a little bit about more about Noah. Uh, he was a man of faith in God. We know that right away from the very first, and in Genesis chapter 5, we learn more about uh, our good friend Noah, uh, and we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 5, Beginning in verse 28, Lamech was 182 years old when he fathered a son, and he named him Noah, saying, this one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Lamech lived 595 years after Noah's birth, and he fathered sons and daughters. So Lamech's life lasted 777 years, then he died. Noah was 500 years old, and he fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Some great names if you're looking for boys' names, if you're thinking about that in the future. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So what do we find out about Noah? Number one, we know uh, that Noah was the son of Lamech, and not the Lamech we learned about last week. Not the Lamech we were introduced to last week. That Lamech was from the line of Cain, and he was the cousin of Enoch. We're not talking about that Lamech. That Lamech walked away from God. He didn't live God's way. He didn't live by faith in God. This is a different 
Lamech. And we find that Noah was also not only the son of Lamech, but he was the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So let me just make one quick word, a quick note about uh, the ages of these heroes of the faith that lived in the time period before uh, the flood. At times when we read the scriptures, and especially when we're reading genealogies and we're reading about the lineages of these heroes of the faith, and specifically here at the beginning of Genesis, and we read and we, we see that these folks lived a long time. Uh, they, they lived a long, long time. At times, it's easy for us to kind of doubt whether that really happened. Uh, did, did they really live that long? I mean, that just doesn't sound like it's possible obviously from our mindset today. Some will even scoff and say, there's no way that was true. There's no way that was possible. There's no way they lived that long. Others will scoff and say, well, you know, those numbers weren't meant to be taken. Literally, they were meant to be taken symbolically. Uh, And so what I want us to understand and what I would submit to you this morning is the truth is there is no reason for us not to believe God about the ages of these men and women, these heroes of the faith who lived prior to the flood time. These men and women who lived extended years, especially in comparison with us today. There's no good reason for us not to believe God when we see these ages and these numbers as high as they are. Remember, the scripture started in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God. Say that with me. In the beginning God. So we know if God could create the heavens and the earth out of nothing, which he did, if God could say, let there be light, and there was, if God could create each one of us in his own image, which he did, if God could create every plant, every tree, the fish of the sea, uh, the birds of the sky, and the animals that crawl along the ground, God could certainly extend the years of these heroes of faith, these men and women who lived before the flood time, so that they could be faithful to God's command, which was to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. There's no good reason for us not to believe as we read these stories about what God has shared with us. What God has said to us is true because God is truthful in who he is in all that he does and all that he says. And we know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later as we make our way through this story, we know that the conditions on earth were different before the flood than they were after the flood. The atmospheric conditions, the conditions on earth were very different before the flood than they were after the flood. We see in Psalm 90, for example, Psalm 90 and verse 10, the psalmist said, our lives last 70 years, or if we are strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Now, every one of us would say amen to that, the last part, I would imagine. They pass quickly. Yes, our years pass quickly. More and more so with every passing year. What do we know from what the psalmist is saying? Well, we know from this passage and others, we know people's lifespan was very different after the flood than it was before. People's lifespan was much shorter after the flood than it was before the flood. And so we understand that God's word is true from cover to cover, 
and we take God's word uh, exactly how God desires us to take his word, which is truth for you and me to apply in our lives. And we walk by faith and trust in God day by day, just as these heroes did. We know Noah was the son of Lamech. He was the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we also know, uh, based on our study from last week, Noah was the great-grandson of Enoch who we learned about last week. Enoch was our first hero that we looked at last Sunday. Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and then God took him up. Enoch was consistent in his walk with God and in his witness for God. As we studied last week, Enoch not only walked with God, but Enoch spoke for God. Jude, one of the authors of the New Testament, recorded Enoch's prophecy back in Enoch's day where Enoch prophesied that God's judgment was coming on the ungodly, that God's judgment was coming on the ungodly who were doing ungodly things and living in ungodly ways. The ungodly, obviously, was defined as those in Enoch's day who did not have a relationship with God by faith in God. Those who were living their way, not God's way. Those who were living in sin and rebellion and disobedience to God. He prophesied as he taught, as he spoke for God among his generation, this being Enoch, coming judgment about how they needed to live out their faith in God, how they needed to trust God. And yet, so many had turned away from God. And we find, especially in our study today, and our study will continue next week, we're going to find that Enoch's prophecy, as we shared last week, was fulfilled three generations after Enoch in Noah's day. Enoch's prophecy that we find recorded in Jude came true in Noah's day. And we're going to learn about that in regards to God's judgment coming upon the ungodly in Enoch's day through the flood. And so we see here at the beginning, Noah was a man of faith in God. He was a man of faith in God. By faith, Noah. By faith. Say that with me. By faith. By faith. I want you just in your own mind, just real quick, I'm going to do a quick mental exercise. Not out loud, as it would really sound crazy if we did it out loud. But I want you to just say in your own mind, by faith, and then insert your name. Just by faith, insert your name. I want you to think about that. By faith, your name. You see, the truth is, that should be the testimony spoken about, written about, every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to do what we do by faith in God. We're to go where we go by faith in God. We're to live how we live by faith in God. We're to love how we love by faith in God. We're to minister how we minister by faith in God. We're to serve how we serve by faith in God. We're to speak how we speak by faith in God. We're to teach and preach how we teach and preach by faith in God. And so we see Noah. Noah was a man of faith. And it's encouraging to us today that you and I, we have the same opportunity today, just as Noah had years and years ago. We have the opportunity to be men and women, boys and girls of faith, of faith in God. The same testimony can be said about us that was said about 
Noah. That was said about Enoch that we learned about last Sunday. By faith. And we can insert our names right after that. By faith, you and I are able to live out this faith in God that we have been blessed by God to receive from God through faith in his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So number one, Noah was a man of faith in God. Number two, Noah was a shining witness for God. Noah was a shining witness for God. I want you to see here in Genesis, and we'll move now to Genesis chapter 6, God gave us a clear picture, a clear picture of the world, the culture, the society in which Noah lived, which was very similar then to the world and the culture and the society we live in today. It's very similar. I mean, when we look at the culture Noah lived in, we're going to see some close similarities to the culture that we live in today. In Genesis chapter 6, beginning verse 5, Uh, We read, when the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Then the Lord said, I will wipe off the face of the earth, man whom I created, together with the animals, creatures that crawl, the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. Noah was a man of faith in God. Noah was a shining witness for God. Here we find a picture. Follow me now. You got to walk with me on this. We find a picture of the world Noah lived in. It's very similar that we see to the world we live in today. What do we know? We know that the wickedness and the sinfulness of man was widespread in Noah's day. It was so widespread in Noah's day, the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth. Regretted there, it means sorrow. It means to feel sorrow. It means to grieve, to lament. God was grieved, the scripture says. He was grieved because of man's sinfulness and wickedness. And God here was letting us know. He was letting Noah know. He was letting the world, those in the world at that time, as we read these scriptures, we can understand and realize what's going on here. God was making it clear. His patience was running out with his creation. His patience was coming to an end with his creation. God is an ever-patient God, amen? God is an ever-patient God, amen? Amen. I hope you know that. I know that. He is ever-patient with me. But we also know that God's patience does have an end point. And we see that God was saying the sinfulness, the wickedness is widespread. And I'm coming to an end of my patience. And as he said there in verse 7, I'm going to wipe off the face of the earth and I'm going to start again. We see in verse 3, if you look in Genesis 6, verse 3, and the Lord said, my spirit... My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. We see that the Lord said, my spirit will not remain with mankind forever. Remain with means contend, strive, plead the case with. So what we find here was the Lord said, the Holy Spirit of God who has been at work in this day, The Holy Spirit of God, God was saying, my spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, which has been at work 
through the teaching and the example of Enoch, through the teaching and example of Noah, my spirit will not remain, will not contend, will not strive, will not plead the cause with mankind forever. We know that the Holy Spirit of God was at work through the teaching and the example of Enoch and Noah calling people in this day prior to the flood, calling people to repentance of their sins, calling people to faith in God. God had warned and warned and warned and warned and warned people in this day. Ever since he placed Adam and Eve outside of the garden and we see the family lines start to come down and we learn of the godly examples in the family lines, specifically through the line of Seth, uh, Adam's son, Adam's third son. And we see God was warning those that he had created in this day through Enoch's ministry. God was warning those he created uh, in this day through Noah's ministry. His teaching, his preaching example, which we'll see about more as we make our way through. And God said, I have warned them and warned them and warned them. And my judgment will come in 120 years. He put the time frame. He said, my judgment is coming in 120 years. So let's just take a moment because folks will often say, especially when we uh, read stories uh, in God's word about these heroes and we uh, read the narratives of what happened in their day and time and their lives, folks will say today, uh, oftentimes, and I've heard folks say this to me and ask, ask this of me, uh, oftentimes, especially those who are still on their journey to a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, they'll say, why uh, didn't God make the world a place free of all that is bad and full of only what is good? Why? They, they look at what's going on around the world. They look at all the pain and the sin and the devastation and all that's happening, and they say, why didn't God make a world free of all that's bad and full of only what is good? And my answer is always the same to them. He did. God did. God uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and God looked at all that he created during creation week, and God said, this is very good. In the beginning, it was very good. We see in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden, that being Adam, to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God had created the heavens and the earth. God had created Adam. God created Eve from Adam and for Adam and brought Eve to Adam. God placed them in the Garden of Eden. And God said, you can eat from any of the trees. You can eat from all the trees except the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from that tree because the day you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. And he placed them in the Garden of Eden and it was very good. God enjoyed perfect fellowship with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect fellowship with God. They walk with God and talk with God. It was perfect. Just as God created, just as God desired. And this all changed when Adam and Eve was tempted to sin by Satan. It all changed when Adam and Eve was tempted by Satan. As Satan came to them there in the garden. And as he tempted them, And he said, listen, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat 
the fruit of the forbidden tree, you will be just like God. You will know good and evil. And oh, by the way, you will certainly not die. God said you'll die, but you're not going to die. He knows that. He knows you'll be just like him if you eat from this tree, tempting them to turn away from God. And we know this story. We've read the story. Amen. What happened? Adam and Eve ate. They sinned against God. And Adam and Eve's sin against God brought death into the world at that moment, just as God said it would. Remember in verse 17, God said, on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Perfection, death wasn't a part. Garden, Adam and Eve walk with God, talk with God. Everything was as God desired. Adam and Eve sinned against God. And their sin brought death into the world, both spiritual and physical. Adam and Eve sinned against God brought spiritual death for all of us. Adam and Eve were immediately separated from God. Their relationship with God changed immediately. They hid from God when before they walked with God. It completely changed. They were separated from God. Why? Because of their sin against God. God sent them out of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve's sin against God brought physical death. From the moment they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began to physically die. Their days were numbered. They began to physically die. We see this confirmed for us in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul confirms this. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul said this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that being Adam, and death through sin, sin brought death to the world, in this way death spread to all men because all sin. We inherit our sin nature from Adam. And our sin against God brings us death both spiritual and physical. Paul confirmed this throughout the book of Romans, throughout his writings. Others as well in the New Testament confirm this truth. We know Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all turned away from God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. Every one of us have turned away from God and gone our way and done our thing. We've all said, thought, and done things that are unpleasing to God. We were dead in our sins and transgressions, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. We were once dead, spiritually dead. We were physically alive, but we were spiritually dead. Why? Because of our sin. And we know Paul continued, he said in Romans 6, 23, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we know the payment of our sins, the wages for our sin, the payment of our sin is death. The justice we deserve from God because of our sin against God is eternal separation from God in a very real place called hell. That's the justice we deserve. Our sin brought death into the world. And so we understand and realize that the wages of sin is death. Now, praise God, Paul continued in that verse. That would have been a real sad story for all of us. The wages of sin is death. Ouch. If he ended there with a period. No, he said, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loved us so much that he opened the way for us to have a relationship 
with him by sending his son Jesus Christ to the earth to rescue us from our sins. God, knowing our sin, knowing we turned away from him, knowing our sins separated us from him, knowing all that we have done against him, God still loved us so much that he opened the way for us to be brought back into a relationship with him. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death. He rose again on the third day, thereby defeating sin and death for you and for me. And we know God, rich in grace, rich in mercy, rich in love for you and me, offers us the gift of salvation, the gift of love, the gift of life, the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of grace. He offers us the gift of new life with him by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Our God has come to us in his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from our sins. What an amazing savior. What an amazing God. Now understand and know as well God is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. He is a loving God. He is a faithful God. He's also a holy and righteous God who will judge the living and the dead, as Paul told Timothy. As Paul was challenging Timothy, he said, remember Timothy, for God in Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And all, all God's judgments are right and perfect judgments. All of God's judgments are always right. They're always perfect. And yet what we see here in this passage in Genesis, what we see all throughout the word, you open up the word and you're going to see the same point come shouting out to us all throughout this word. We see it right here in the book of Genesis. From the very beginning, we see this. And it doesn't change throughout the rest of the Bible. God was gracious with us. He is gracious with us, even in his judgment of sin. God is gracious with us, even in his judgment of sin. We see God graciously warns us before his judgments of sin, as he did with Adam and Eve through God speaking to them and saying, hey, you're free. You're free to eat of every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As we see through the teaching and examples of Noah and Enoch with the people before the flood, God graciously warned them over and over and over again for years and years and years. Listen, that 120 years that it took Noah to build the ark, that was nothing but a constant warning from God to those who were living ungodly lives in that day to turn from their sin and to turn to God by faith in God. And God warns us today through the truth of his word. God warns us through the words, through the work, and through the witness of faithful followers of Jesus Christ like you and me. God is constantly warning us to draw us closer to him. Why? Because we know God loves us. God wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance and faith in him. And so we see the graciousness of God at work here from the very beginning that continues until today. As he graciously warns us, those who do not have a relationship with God. Listen, if you are here this morning, you don't have a relationship with God. You've not received God's gift of salvation yet. Listen, God is graciously warning you again. He's warning you. As the scripture says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. He's warning you because we know, the scripture shares with us, 
His judgment is coming. There is coming a time where we will stand before him and we will give an account to him. And so we know and understand that this was going on in this time. Now back to Genesis chapter 6. Now we come back to Genesis chapter 6. We know the the world in which Noah was living in. We know the, the context, the picture. We know how that has played out for us today and what our sin has done. We inherit that sin nature from, from Adam. And so we now get back to Genesis 6. And in the midst of this generation, in the midst of this world where the wickedness and the sinfulness of man was widespread and every thought on man's mind was evil all the time, Noah, listen now, Noah stood out as a shining witness for God. Look at verse 8. Look at what he says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. Noah, however, isn't that good? Noah, however, however Noah, but Noah, Lord said, I regret that I made them. I'm going to wipe off the face of the earth, man whom I created, together with the animals, the creatures that crawl, the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. But Noah, however, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What a fantastic statement. Let's read verse 8 together. Ready? Out loud. Noah, however, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Woo, that is good. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Favor. That word there is a familiar word for us, both Old Testament and New Testament. We know that word means grace, means acceptance. I want you to notice, I want you to notice, don't miss this, verse 8. Noah did not earn favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah did not earn God's grace and God's acceptance and God's favor. No, Noah found God's favor God's grace, God's acceptance. So the question is, how? How did Noah find favor in the eyes of the Lord? How was everyone else living one way and Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord? Well, we find it in verse 9. Here's the answer. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. I want you to understand, how did Noah find God's favor, grace, and acceptance? Noah was a righteous man. That means Noah was right with God by his faith in God because righteousness comes by faith. Noah found favor with God by his faith in God. Noah found favor with God by his faith in God. Noah found favor in God's eyes because of his faith in God. Noah's faith in God. We see this clearly. He found favor with God by his faith in God. Noah walked with God. Noah was an heir. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, if you remember back in Hebrews 11, verse 7, uh, the writer said, Noah became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Noah found favor with God because of his faith in God. And we know that Peter had told us in his writings in the New Testament, Noah wasn't just an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith in God. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 
that comes by faith in God. So we know that everyone in Noah's day was living their way, not God's way. Everyone was doing their thing, not God's thing, except Noah. Noah was blameless among his contemporaries. When God looked at his creation, it wasn't difficult to spot Noah. He was the shining light in the midst of the darkness. And we know that he was blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. And as he walked with God, he was a shining witness for God. Not only in how he walked, but also in all that he said and all that he taught. Jesus actually writing to us in the New Testament, he says, in looking back on Noah, Jesus said they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage right up until the day Noah shut into the ark. What was that? What does that mean? It means the world around Noah was oblivious to the warnings from Noah. They were oblivious to the warnings from God through Noah. They were continuing to live how they live, do what they do. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving away in marriage all the way up until the time when the judgment came. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said this, it will be the same way up until the time when I return for my people. Now that's a warning. That's a warning for us today. It's a warning for us to continue shining as witnesses for God so that we might help those who do not know him find their way to a relationship with him. Noah was a shining witness for God. And like Noah, God wants us to be shining witnesses for him. We find favor with God by our faith in God. We find the same way, we find favor the same way that Noah did. We find favor in the Lord's eyes today the same way Noah did years and years and years ago by our faith in God. As we walk with God, we are able to be shining witnesses for God. Scriptures teach us that we're in this world, we're not of this world, we're just passing through on our way to eternity in heaven. And so Jesus told us we are the light of the world. And we're the light of the world called to point people to to Jesus. We're the light of the world called to love others like Jesus. We're the light of the world called to tell others about Jesus. We're the light of the world called to shine the light of Jesus to all those that God's placed around us. In the midst of the world, the wickedness and sinfulness of our world today, we are called as men and women of faith in God to shine as witnesses for God. As we humble ourselves before God and depend on him day by day, God empowers us to live out our faith in him. God empowers us to live as shining witnesses for him. And as we humble ourselves before God, depend on him day by day, God continues his work in us and through us and around us, bringing honor and glory to him through his work in and through us. We're to do what we do by faith in God. We're to go where we go by faith in God. We're to say what we say by faith in God. We're to live how we live by faith in God. God. Let me ask you to bow in prayers. Our worship team is going to come and lead you.